a dream. Well, well if you're gonna dream, dream big, right? It's just a dream. It's just a dream. 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 This is your dream. Dream. Not a dream. What is your dream? Have a dream. Dream within a dream. Two lives. Life is dream. <laughs> Is this a dream? Dreams! Dreams! That's the dream! Who's dream? Big guy. Big mouth. Big dreams come true! Follow your dream. Dream a little dream. Dream, baby. Got a dream, baby. Dream on, brothers. Dream on. This is the dream. This is the dream. A dream we dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Yeah. The bad dream. I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming, guys. Dreaming. Guys. I'm so sick of things being done to me that I want to do things again. One bike burning a year and at least a, a, a couple massive music and comedy festivals. Hi everybody, what's going on? I just got uh, sorry for being a little late. I was getting a haircut uh, by my beautiful wife, the only uh, human being that's cut my hair in uh, 10 years. So that's a good way to save some coin and not have a complete stranger have a sharp object near your neck. So today I have a, a good one for you today. I don't have a ton of material, but I have uh, some insights I thought I should share. Uh, share. One, I think I understand the purpose of the stop anti-Semitism movement, uh, these organizations, the ADL, all this stuff. Uh, me and my buddy were watching the, the new special last night, and guys, it's so good. It's so good. I can't believe how good it turned out. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to see it. And um, yeah, I'm just so honored that all you guys helped out. And so many people behind the scenes. Like when you watch the special... And I, I'm not overblowing it, guys. It's going to blow your mind. It's so likable and genuine and fun and funny and relevant. And the story behind it is even more interesting. It's like all the electricity came because Longbow Bear and Camera Bear and all these guys, they brought power from the line down because they're all like electricians. And so they brought power from our line and all these people did so much work behind the scenes to make this possible, to make, uh, to give us the electricity, building the tent, building the stage, doing the lights, doing the sound, Adam filming it, Coddington warming the people up, uh, the band, the, the attendants, those who donated generously. It's so phenomenal to see it. And uh, it was very humbling to watch the special. At first, it opens a little slow. I mean, the opening is huge. Like, the, they told me I was canceled, right? And the first, like, five to seven minutes, it's pretty, it's like mellow. It's like I'm talking to the crowd. Uh, my voice is a little jacked up. And uh, it doesn't come out of the gate super hot. It's, uh, it's likable and fun. But, but after that 10-minute mark, between 10 minutes and 50 minutes, the, the jokes, the stand-up comedy as a, 
comedian, like as someone who loves comedy, not just as a comedian, it's so good. And I wrote the jokes with you guys on job sites during live streams. Um, You know, you guys helped riff them out before I went on stage, but I turned to my buddy who I'm watching this with him and I didn't even have any notes. I mean, a couple color correction things, minor. It looks better than anything on Netflix, in my opinion. And, uh, and I was like, I can't believe this is the first time I've told these jokes. And he goes, dude, you reach virtuoso level. Like, and, and it really hit me emotionally because it's like, I, um, I've never seen it before. I've never seen that ability. I'm sure some of the greats have had it. Like I'm sure Norman and, and those type of guys have had that, but, uh, as a spectator of comedy, not even as me, I'm like watching it as a comedy fan. I'm like, this is the first time I've ever told that joke. There's a tag. There's a callback. The delivery's great. The material works. The crowd's resonating. I'm like, how is that possible? Like it even, it surprised me. I hadn't been on stage in four years. And my buddy who, uh, who can be critical. I mean, we call him Buzz Killington. He's like, you've reached virtuoso status. Like you're a master of comedy now. It's like, you can do these jokes for the first time. It's kind of like, um, and I know this might sound arrogant to gammas, but it really is a thing where it's like when you, when uh, Mozart, and I'm not comparing myself to Mozart of comedy, but it's like, he could just write music without playing it once and just hear all of it in his head. And that, as a piano player, I'm not even close to that. It's like not even imaginable how you could do that. But in, in stand-up, I've been a stand-up comedian professionally for 22 years. And I never imagined taping a special without trying any of the jokes. Uh, no booze. and Yeah, yeah. The no alcohol, the really supportive audience, the magic of the event itself. Don't get me wrong. It's not all me. It was like everybody. That's what made it so electric. I was just the tent post in the tent. And uh, a lot of us were hitting that virtuoso moment. It was, and that's why the dream we share together was so powerful. You had electricians capable of just pulling electric from the sky. You know, you had the guys just building the stage, like the tomato toss. They built the whole event, had music, had lighting, all of it was just flawless. It was just flow state. And it does raise the bar for next year. Uh, don't get me wrong. I had a feeling like I can't wait for next year's festival. I'm already thinking about it. But uh, the bar has been raised very high. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know. I don't know what next year is going to be. But uh, it could have just been everything fit into place. Maybe it has nothing to do with me. Maybe I didn't reach virtuoso state. Maybe, maybe it was just the way the story was supposed to go. Smart haircut, BB. Thank you. My wife just did it. But uh, I just want to let you guys know that uh, it was incredible. And I wanted to talk today about failure because as I'm peaking in my comedy ability, uh, homesteading is super hard. And I see a lot of uh, people online projecting an image of homesteading that isn't real. And I am very fortunate that I get to, uh, I get to uh, fund it with what I do with comedy, what I do with live streaming, what I do with magazines and all that. Like I have a living outside of homesteading 
And I saw this uh, video that I listened to today, and it just said, Off-Grid Living is a Lie. And it's by Bush Radical. And that title intrigued me because I, I, I was like, I think I know where this guy's going with this, and I really want to magnify his influence because it's true. Like, I'm seeing a whole materialistic shift into homesteading where um, – where it's just like everything's perfect and you're back in nature and God provides and uh, women are all dressed traditionally and you're skipping through a field with baskets. And and um, I've never claimed to be off grid ever once. Like I'm on the electric grid and I've never claimed to profit off homesteading, which I don't at all. I feel like I've been pretty open about the failures I've had along the way and how I... Uh, have been able to do this because of my very successful career in comedy from before. You know, the it's funny how the trolls, they try and paint a picture that I was never a success in Los Angeles because it's too impossible to explain why I would give that up for my family, for morality, for living a better life. But I was very successful and uh, I could afford to have land without any debt um, and build a house from my success and my continued success. And I've been very open about that because I don't want people to get into this world without understanding how hard it is. And even in that, um, my life is filled with constant failure and the chores are tedious. And uh, hey, Coddington, I posted a video on Twitter that I didn't put on my Telegram. Can you go get that? It's like two minutes long about what I'm talking about. And then I just filmed another one. I'll show you guys. But out of that is very, a lot of beauty. I recommend homesteading. I just don't recommend that you get into it. Like your life's going to get easier. It's constant failure. And I'm not even good at it. Like I don't, you know, half the dudes in this chat are way better men than me, way better men, way more competent. I don't know how an engine works. And I'm very open about this. That's why people mock me. Oh, you never, you don't know how to change your oil? No, but I, I am a virtuoso at comedy so I can get money to pay someone to change my oil. Now, that being said, I've committed really hard to learning new skills, whether it be that first fence I built with Grandpa Jack after not being able to make a ramp for my kid's uh, truck, his monster truck. You guys remember that? And um, I do all my own chores. I shovel all my own manure. I had a cough for three months from breathing in animal shit. Um, you know, I've had to stab my cow with a needle so that the gas didn't uh, strangle her lungs from bloat. You know, I've had to uh, figure out all kinds of shit. And I do all my own milking. I do all my own feeding. I run all my own errands, all that. And it's a form of almost like penance. Like it's painful, but it's so rewarding. But if that isn't what you want out of your life, don't have any ego about it. Just be like, yeah, you know, I tried it out. It's too much of a commitment. So I buy uh, milk from the guy down the street. You know, that's it. It's that simple. And there's no shame in that, you know, because I don't want because I can see down the road people having like marital problems or getting depressed Spoolbear says, I can help with your car stuff, oil changes, et cetera. Sea cows, master shade, tree mechanic. Yeah, I mean, my life is filled with really competent men. And I'm very competent at comedy, piano, community building. I can learn quickly. Um, I'm good for keeping morale up. 
Um, I'm generous with my time. I, uh, you know, I'm, and, and that is very valuable. Like community building is very valuable. Like what Spoolbear just said, where he's like, I can hook you up with this guy, that guy, that guy. You make a team, infinite abundance. And I'm from a world of infinite abundance. I view the world that there's no limit. We're not rats fighting over a piece of cheese. And so, um, oh, thanks, Kyle. Let me grab this. And so that's how I view it, where it's like, and I understand how someone could say, um, well, comedy isn't valuable. You don't know how to change your oil. And I'm like, obviously, comedy is valuable. Obviously, man cannot live on bread alone. To be able to laugh through pain, to have a community builder, to have someone explain the spells of the world is valuable. And so I'm blessed to have a high value job where I can take that, those resources and put it back into my homesteading. And now, if you look at my land and my property and everything I got going on, um, it appears like I'm, I could be like really rich and I am doing well, but I don't have a lot of savings. Like I don't put, I don't hoard money. I've had to work on that. I always have savings, but I, whenever it gets high enough, I put it back into the land. I put it back into the property. I put it back into, you know, what we're doing with, um, the specials and the community and all that stuff. Like I'll, I'll put money into infrastructure, um, because I don't want to end up hoarding money like my dad, like it's going to keep you from dying, you know? So if I appear to be wealthy, it's just because you're looking at all my savings all the time. And, uh, and so I wanted to make some of these videos so that you guys know what you're in for if you try to get more homesteady, you know? And here's one, this is just about blueberries. And I will, uh, yeah, where is it? And I'm going to get into the ADL today. And I, I really do think I cracked the code on what on, on the, the scam that's being run on Jews right now. And I think it might be up to us to free the Jews. Well, only God can free the Jews. But I think this special we're about to roll out is really going to help free the Jews. Um, okay, this is just a little story about my blueberries. Hey, everybody. I just want to show you some failures here so you don't feel alone if you're trying to get more... Uh more homesteady, more self-sustainable. So this year, for those of you that have been watching my stream, uh, you'll know last year I was really excited about blueberry bushes. So I traveled about an hour and a half each way to go buy each one of these was about 60 bucks or 80 bucks or something because they were mature. And I did all the math and I ran the numbers of how many years we'd get blueberries and they're really, really heavy. So I dug out all of this dirt and put down fabric to keep the weeds out as you can see. real quick so all by hand digging out all the and for those of you that have never tried it digging out sod pasture sod when it's in summer is really really uh time consuming tedious labor intensive remember how happy i was about my blueberries i'm like it's like 30 pounds per plant every year and then i'm running all these numbers and and i'm feeling great about it and I want to make sure they all survive. And I put down fabric and to help the weeds and blah, blah, blah. I think you can all guess where this is going. Fabric, keep the weeds out. Buried them, dug, hours of work, 20 hours, 30 hours of work. Probably 700 bucks, 800 bucks at least. All dead. And the thing about, uh, you know, I can, it's uh, irrigation problems, too much sun. There's all kinds of factors. It's ultimately my fault. And yeah, and that's one reason why homesteaders are usually really cool to be around is they usually have a high level of accountability. But can I just say one thing that, uh, that I found 
hilarious, infuriating. I'm really happy for the guy, I promise. But I got a buddy who's a lawyer. He's based as fuck. He was the guy representing everybody for the mask thing. Awesome family. We're really close with their family. He came over and I just gave him two blueberry plants. You know, and don't get me wrong. I'm driving to get the plants. I'm loading up my thing. I'm driving all the way back. They're heavy as shit. I'm digging. So I give him two plants. Both of his lived. He's like, oh yeah, blueberries are going great. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm happy for him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an envious gamma. But I was like, so I got like 20 plants doing three trips. Dude, they're so heavy and huge. I give them two. They both lit. Like his are doing great. Mine are all fucking dead. The beauty of uh, homesteading is you take extreme accountability. But um, I just want to let you know I'm constantly failing. And that's part of homesteading because I see this big push, uh, especially in, in women on Pinterest and Instagram and all these places and YouTube of their perfect life where their husband skips around with their off-grid lifestyle and uh, their eggs and their berries and all that. And don't get me wrong, like you can carve that out for yourself and we do have phenomenal food and I post all the wins, but I think it's important to post the losses too so that you don't have unrealistic expectations. Um, I could have bought like a ridiculous amount of blueberries for that amount of time, effort, money, and it all failed. Not one berry, not one single berry. So what we do now is we go to the uh, U-Pick blueberry farm that's down the street, and it's four dollars a um, uh, it's four dollars a uh, pound. We pick it ourselves. They're great berries, great people, and you keep it local. So one of my huge recommendations, and I've been saying this for years, and don't get me wrong, this isn't new insights. I've been saying this on my stream forever that know yourself, like know what you want to engage in. So the best milk is your neighbor's milk. Raw milk is really healthy. Keep it local, support your local supply chains. So if somebody's really good at milk, you go buy milk from them. I happen to be pretty good at milk. I still think it's a net loss, but the milk is phenomenal. It's like a suffering that helps me spiritually. I love the animals. Uh, I'm getting better and better at it. If we make butter out of it, we actually, uh, it's a profitable that we can sell on our farm stand. Anyway getting sidetracked. So start small, start easy. You know, chickens are the easiest thing by far. You can still go on vacation. You can still uh, do all kinds of stuff. They're very inexpensive, very easy to handle. Uh, tomato garden, simple garden, stuff like that. But just trust me, the failure, the misery, the doubt, the pain, um, the expenses, it's all there and it's all and and watch out for people that pretend it's not like we chose not to go off grid electrically because of how expensive solar power was i did the math and it would cost because i'm not a rich guy granted i can fund homesteading with my comedy um but i'm not like a, a guy that has a lot of savings or can just make these horrible decisions and uh especially when you're dealing with six figure by the way i'm not calling solar power a horrible decision i know guys that are off grid with solar power and it's going great for them one thing that they have is expertise on it like i got buddies that are great with solar power but they understand batteries electricity blah 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 and i'd have to understand all that and i don't right now so i'd have to hire someone for everything i'd have to uh and they're not on the grid they don't have the option 
So, um, like, I know a few bears are totally off-grid. Like, some of them heat their house just with uh, wood and all that. And uh, this guy that I'm going to show you his video will do an accurate depiction of what that life is like. And it's extremely rewarding, but it's also painful. And I stepped my toe into the homesteading pain life. And now I probably am up to my knee. You know, like I, um, but I do also have a job that I can pay for stuff when things go wrong. And I don't rely just on, um, on, you know, I'm not off grid. I'm not just at the whims of nature, which is intense. That's why a lot of these homesteaders are such good people. And you like love being around them and they're so warm because it's extreme accountability. It's lessons being taught to you constantly. And, uh, and yeah, and, and that's why uh, it raises morality in a community because let's say you don't have um, a skill. Well, then you better be liked. You better have people trust you. You better be somebody that doesn't piss everybody off. You better be reliable. You better work hard at whatever you do. And then people will help you. For example, like um, uh, my buddy down the street just had a lamb having a bunch of foam in, in her mouth. He was calling me about the vet and all this. And, and if you're like struggling with, not struggling with money, but a $180 vet bill, when you're like trying to flip a lamb hurts. So then you start talking to people like, do you have expertise? Can you help? Can you like, uh, do you have any hay? Cause I think she just ate too much grain. Do you know, can we shove Pepto-Bismol down her throat? Blah, blah, blah. And so then the community becomes very, uh, very um, necessary where you have somebody that can help you uh, give you advice, you know, give you expertise because, you know, the, the squirt is stone types with this unlimited money from God knows where they never have to think about this stuff. And I do fall into that from time to time. Like, I don't know how plumbing works. I don't know how electricity works. I didn't build my own house. And I've always been extremely open about that. I'm not painting a picture of something that I'm not participating in. I have friends that have built their whole house. They know every inch of it. They know how it all works. They're incredibly reliable, high-skilled men, and they're very attractive to their wife for that reason. You know, that's why you don't need a lot of money to have a great woman be super dedicated to you. And I've said this for years. I see it all the time. I see these guys that have a high knowledge, high morality, really helpful, really skilled, the woman looks to that guy like you're my protector. Money isn't as good of a protector as a man with skills, you know, and it's just true. And I'm the first to admit that. I'm the first to describe that to you. So here's the uh, failure of homesteading. Solar panel set up. And so solar panels great for some people. I have one solar panel that charges a battery, which is awesome. Uh, and some people live in a, a place where there isn't a grid. I did the math and it would take me decades to pay off my solar panels given uh, how much they cost. And I saw that a lot of them break and I'm not handy with electricity. Like uh, I can't do my own elect uh, electrical work. So I chose not to do that. We're also on pro, uh, we're also on natural. Camera bear says, I don't have skills or money. How the fuck do I keep my wife? Camera bear, the way you run, uh, the way you run, uh, Bertaria Times app, like a well-tuned machine, is quite a skill, my friend. I find it very attractive. Oh, shit, now I got to pay my gay away. 
There we go. Yes, we have, uh, we try to burn a lot of uh, fuel in our, um, in our stoves for heat. That's a cost savings, but we also have that backup. And so just understand that when you're watching these people on YouTube, they're not always being honest with the struggles, uh, the costs, and don't be ashamed to quit. Don't be ashamed to uh, say, you know what? I don't want to milk a cow every single morning. I'd rather pay a guy 10 bucks that lives down the street. Great. It's all about what level you want to uh, do. And, uh, and I just really wanted to make this video because uh, I'm seeing more and more of this like homestead grift emerging where people are painting a picture that isn't real. And I see women falling for it where they're like, Oh, we're back to nature. It's this beautiful life. And don't get me wrong. My, my family and I have a beautiful life and I wouldn't change a thing. And the failures and the misery actually have made us closer, more spiritual, more grateful for our food. But if you're not willing to suffer and, and have loss and have your husband be like miserable at mornings, you know, don't, don't let it affect your marriage. Don't let it affect your... Spool, Spool Bear has a great idea. He said I should write a book on my homesteading and call it My Struggle and then translate it immediately into German. All right, here we go. Let me just finish this up here. You know, don't, don't like, okay, I'll just close on this. Realize that the natural world is filled of suffering and that suffering will bring you closer to God and closer to gratitude, but the ego will be broken and, and, and uh, ground down. And this is coming from a guy who lives off comedy. I have not turned a profit on homesteading at all. And I'm very grateful that I can do that. So just watch out for these people online. Much love. See you at, uh, at 210. I got my hair cut. So it's a, I'm a little behind schedule. All right. Because there's also an anger at people with money. I'm going to address that as well, too. I'm going to show you this guy's video. Because someone like me should be welcomed by the homesteading community and somebody. Uh, and I, I'm not one of these rich California liberals that can fly in shit on a helicopter and squirt a stone, you know, all this stuff. But I do understand why someone could be frustrated by someone like me that doesn't have to suffer as much because I can pay someone else to help me with something I don't understand. Now, I do all my chores myself. I like the struggle. I actually really like the struggle. I think the struggle really helped me get out of Hollywood mentality. It helped beat the special boy out of me, helped me not drink. Um, there's like a masochism to it almost, but it's very, it almost reminds me of those, uh, those priests that like, or those monks that beat the shit out of themselves. Like at any moment I could just buy my milk. Like I could always buy my milk. Instead, I'm in a cold drafty barn, breathing in sawdust, coughing, you know, just squeezing. It's negative 20. My cow fucking keeps hitting me in the face with her tail. There's like, you know, she, there's a pile of shit in the corner. Somebody just got out. My goat just fucked his mom again. No one wants to talk about that side of homesteading. To see a goat that you bottle fed, just go ahead and fuck his mom. And there's nothing you can, I mean, you keep trying to keep him in his pen, but he just can't stop trying to fuck his own mom. Okay. Why? I make a good living doing this. It's because it keeps me super humble. It keeps me, uh, oh, no, I actually am like being kicked off all the shit I've been kicked off of being called a terrible person by all these fucking NGOs and all that. Uh, being the bad man for all kinds of people. I mean, I've had friends that have gone through a divorce 
and their bitch ex-wife tried to pretend that the Bears were a cult just so that they could get a better deal in the divorce. Okay? And these are people that I was, like, friends with. So it's like, my life has a lot of this shit where people are like, oh, that's a bad man. He's the reason that people don't like Jesus. But if you're every morning, and my animals like me, you know, they look to me for protection and food, and I do a good job, and they beat the fuck out of me, and uh, I'm always having these problems, and every time I think I'm, uh, you know, like, this special is so cool to see someone never try jokes and nail them. It's like virtuoso shit. My ego, as soon as it starts inflating, I'm like, wow, man, I really crush a comedy. I realize I can't change a battery in my lawnmower without help from a guy that didn't even charge me because he fucking pities me. Uh, and that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm like a day walker with this shit. Like I'm in between. I'm an in-betweener. I, uh, at least you're not eating beans on toast. No, I do though, Three Thoughts Bear. You're, taking, you're talking to total strangers in a chat. How can anyone call you arrogant? Uh, well, they do because they think that they, a lot of people get envious. There's a lot of envy around my life uh, online. And it's because I'm, uh, I have a really supportive community. My wife obviously loves me. I'm happy and I'm doing exactly what I want with my life. And that drives a certain type of gamma fucking insane. So they'll just, and I, I, I don't hate myself. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I watched the special. It's fucking great. And people are like, yeah, it might be nice, you piece of shit. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want me to say? I, I'm really impressed by it. The Jews are the reason we don't like Jews. No, it's, it's, I'll get to that, Dan. That's a big topic of conversation today. Oh, and by the way, we're about to get a lot more inclusive with the Holocaust. You can get your mug, I Survived the Holocaust, at merchforbears.com. It's um, because we're all survivors. If you're alive right now, you survived the Holocaust. Technically, you survived. So we're about to, uh, we're about to get a lot more inclusive. So I don't know how anyone could ever say who did and did not survive the Holocaust and really come up with your own story of how you survived. You can embellish, add whatever you want, throw in a roller coaster and a jerk-off machine. Doesn't seem to stop anybody else. Hard pass on goats for me. Well, goats are easier than uh, than cows. There's less of a there's less of a risk. You can get a goat for two hundred bucks in milk. I mean, I'll fucking give you a goat if you're a bear and you live in my area. I, I'm I'm I'll give someone a cow. I'm all about helping people not have expenses, but it's a huge co- time commitment. And uh, I thought having trolls and people who hate on you means you are doing well, according to Jay Z. Yeah, there's truth to that. There is truth to that. Like, I don't mind, you know, the haters, I get it. But it's like, it's also about keeping me, like having me pay for my, my past. Because it, some, uh, if you look at this, like Luis J. Gomez shared this. He was like, my girlfriend is making me watch The House Bunny. And look who it is. Owen Benjamin in the wild is always having fun. I like Luis J. Gomez. He's a good guy. But look at that guy. Look at that fucking gay fuck. Okay, that's me. That's me in the Playboy Mansion with a waxed chest wearing a fucking vest. Okay? I need a cow to hit me in the face. I need to fucking shovel shit and fail at blueberries. Because that guy needs to be broken down, ground into fucking dust. The gay has to be paid away. Okay? 
and Frank has left the chat. Nothing wrong with being pleased with what your work has produced. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I am. I get it. I'm crushing. <laughs> Just kidding. Offer roof says Bismola. Oh, before we get uh, deeper into stuff, Codsworth, do we have super chats? Come on, guys, support the stream. It's how I make a living. And if you want to uh, donate to the land, BertariaCampgrounds.com. And if you want to get a mug, uh, MerchForBears.com. And it starts, people always want to have a conversation get started. This will start the conversation. We've all survived. You've only just begun to pay that gay away. I mean, that is, that's just, I mean, I have people give me money because they walk into a building. Look at that guy bringing on a Ferris, her zesty drink called the Mangarita. Holy shit. I will say this though. I will say this. I haven't aged that much. Hmm. Clean living, lack of lying. I tell that to the Jews all the time. All right, anyway. Benja the Ninja Bear, paying Candor's gay away for quoting committing sodomy with robot cocks. Robot cocks? Virginia Dare, Jordan Peterson is more like Jordan Peterson, could it be? Thanks for all the great streams. Anytime, thank you. I Tree Bear, yesterday's stream reminded me of porch time with Granny as a young, innocent boy here in Georgia. A goy. Granny was based from the get-go, and boy, did she love her hard-end jokes. Coddington, why don't we just get off uh, Twitter? Granny gets it, and so do you, Big Bear. I do, thank you. Sparrow's Nose. Morning, Big Bear. Catching up on yesterday's stream, and I have to say that JBP spell is the hardest one you've ever broke for me. Even now, I can't help but wonder if there is a real man in there somewhere. His work's helped me out a lot in dark times, but you helped me not make him an idol. Thanks for all you do, Big Bear. Can't wait for the special. As long as you don't make him an idol, you can even like the shit he says. I just uh, break the idol spell. You know? Which they try and made him, an, they, tr- they, they created him as an idol. And that's a fact. You can obviously see it. Now, does Jordan Peterson sometime have, sometimes have good advice? You might attribute um, him for your getting out of a dark time. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's you, though, and God. That's why people give me credit a lot for shit. And I don't want to be a broken record and say, like, all praise to God. But that is, that is important to not become a, um, an idol. And Peterson is a dirty little idol, and he's got quite, uh, quite a drug problem. I get it. He wants to be productive. There's nothing that gets you to clean your room better than a fucking pile of Russian meth. Okay. Chick comedies aren't usually very funny. Sensitive big F bear in that little vest was the funniest part of that movie. Yeah, I was definitely pretty funny in that movie. Anna Ferris was quite funny, though. But I was looking back, it was still quite gay what I did. Uh, someone said this, so true. Homesteading is a path to gratitude, but you'll suffer like never before. This will steal you as you suffer and learn through it. This will steal you as, yeah, you become like steel. I said, totally, it's constant failure and suffering, but gratitude like you've never felt. Now, that's coming from someone who just milks cows, does gardening, does chickens, does goats. Um, but look at this guy. So this guy... I was checking him out. This is a different level. And I, I really respect this guy and what he's been through. And I think that it is a path for young people who never want to be in debt. They can buy really cheap land and work really, really hard at being off grid. And it's a huge struggle and not what Pinterest is showing you. But 
It's also important to realize that some people do have money. Some people do have resources and that doesn't make them bad people. And it's only bad, in my opinion, it's only bad if they're presenting their life in a false way. Like they're saying, you know, we're totally off grid and I don't know. How do I explain it? If the thing that I wanted to call out today is this homesteader movement that's trying to present a world of like infinite pleasure and getting back to nature and you no longer have to be part of Babylon and and all that shit. Well, who the hell makes your makes your solar panels? You got them. You got them on Amazon. to use cash. You know, you got to pay tax for the land. There's no way to get completely out of the system without. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there is that I don't know about. But uh, I don't like people that make promises that aren't realistic. And as Princess Bride says, life is pain, your highness. Anyone who says otherwise is trying to sell you something. But the pain's great. You know, out of the pain comes gratitude, bonds, community, trust. Um, you, you burn away your gay. You know, you can forgive yourself. You seek forgiveness for what you've done in the past. It's great. But that being said, you know, this guy has an uh, interesting... Everybody, my name is Dave Whipple, and you're watching Bush Radical. I see it time and time again. You watch off-grid content on television or on YouTube, and people have brand new trucks and they have giant homesteads way out in the mountains. They're, they're moving materials with helicopters, man, you name it. I've seen the craziest stuff. So what are you supposed to actually believe? In this video, I wanna show you guys what it was like for us when we were younger to get started living off-grid, why we did it, what our thoughts were, and what it actually looks like in real life. Stay tuned. I got married in the fall of 1998. The following spring, we went to Sitka, Alaska, where we got a job as caretakers in Stargavin Campground. We both worked in town, but we lived in the campground. We took showers at the harbor, we did our laundry at the laundromat in town, and we got our water from an artesian well at the campsite. For a bathroom, we had the Forest Service outhouses. When we left Sitka, we ended up going to the Aleutian Islands for seven and a half months to be caretakers of this homestead. This place is called the Stonewall Place. It's named after a giant rock outcropping that's right in that area. Now, this homestead had electrical power, but it was generated from hydroelectric power. There was a small creek up the side of the mountain with a dam in it, and that dam was piped in a four-inch PVC pipe down to a small generation house on the beach where there was a water wheel. So the pressurized water from the gravity would spin this water wheel and it would charge up the batteries. The place also had an inverter. So you actually had power, but it was limited to how much water came down the side of the hill. We had to watch the inverter. We had to top off the batteries. We had to keep an eye on maintaining the system for seven and a half months. And when the water got really low, when it was really cold, we ran out of electricity completely. Believe it or not, this homestead was heated with wood we would go out and find drift logs that came from who knows where around the world. And we would hook onto these drift logs, pull them back to the homestead with a boat, and then cut them up, split them, and stack them. It's very windy, and the wood dried out fairly quick. Now, the wood stove in this house wasn't really used to heat the house. It had a water jacket around it, and it was plumbed into a 500... I'm going to do a little uh, commentary, so I'm not just playing this guy's thing. But I really want people to see this, right? And so he has a great point that on YouTube, you keep seeing these like off-grid guys, but they're using money from Babylon to do it, and they're not doing it from zero. 
which is a very valid point. But I will say this, you don't want to fall into the trap that you don't respect that other people have means of income. Like I can't imagine having to maintain and watch batteries every single day and having to deal with like, if the water stops flowing, you don't have electricity and all that. Yeah, well try saying nigger on a stage in 2015. You know what I mean? We all have our skills. And my skill may seem retarded and it's crazy that I'm so rewarded for it, but go ahead and try. Why don't you go ahead and try and keep a thousand people staring at you and laughing for an hour and a half and then throw a nigger in there and be attacked by the central banking system. Go ahead and give that a try, right? So one thing I wanna make sure everybody knows, cause I really like this guy's channel and I wanna highlight his point because it's so fucking true, that these hipster fucks that are pretending that homesteading is this walk in the park are not real. They're fake and, they're, and they could lead to marital problems. That's one reason why I'm highlighting this is I don't want women to think they're getting into something and then they look at their husbands and they're like, why can't you be like Owen and Amy? And the guy's like, because we're starting from a different place. Owen got money because he acted like a faggot in Hollywood for a little while. Okay, so don't be afraid to say that. Because I don't want it because we're not all starting from the same spot. I, I could afford a nice, I could afford land that already had a well, already had an electric grid without any debt. Now, I will uh, back, I will have my own back here that someone in my position easily would have went back into debt and gotten a giant fucking egoplex, right? With 500 grand, I could have put 20% down and got, or if, if I put 10% down, 500 grand, I could have gotten a $5 million property, which is what a lot of these assholes do, okay? So no matter what you want to say about me, I did take the path that was not greedy or my ego was being broken, okay? Also, I, uh, the money I make in comedy, I have not bought elaborate toys and went on vacations or anything like that. I put it into my homesteading which never returns a profit. So, you know, that's my intentions are solid. Although I'm not coming from the same place that he did. I didn't put in the same amount of work that he did. I don't have the skills. I didn't claw out of, you know, newlyweds who didn't want to be in debt and they're making ends meet and all that. I think this story is fucking beautiful. I really love this story, which is why I'm highlighting it because I think it's very inspiring for young people that, you also can start in a van or in an RV and shower at parks or whatever and get jobs caretaken and slowly work your way into uh, debt-free off-grid living, but it's fucking hard and it's filled with failure. Even what I'm doing is filled with failure. And this dude is in a legend. On tank of water, you'd burn that stove hot for five hours and it would heat up that 500 gallon tank. And for about a week, it would keep the house pretty decent. We did have a flush toilet because the entire water system of this house came off that creek. It was all pressurized because of gravity. Pretty interesting off-grid setup. We learned a lot that winter about off-grid systems. In the spring of 2000, we ended up back in Fairbanks where we rented a small off-grid cabin. Then in the spring of 2001, we bought this two acre piece of property north of Fairbanks, Alaska. This is the first piece of raw land Brooke and I ever bought. 
you could see that somebody had already tried to do something with it. They'd had a pen, maybe a horse or two, who knows? Now, this property did have electricity. So technically, it was not truly off-grid. So, and by the way, and it's and it's all a fractal, too. Because someone could look at me and say, I might be nice. You, get, you can spend 800 bucks on grain and fucking... Dude, imagine if you're like a poor guy from Bangladesh and you're like, might be nice, you have a, a chainsaw, <laughs> right? It's like, it's all about are you willing to suffer for your family, for the future, stay out of debt, for morality. That's where it is, no matter where you're at. Whether you're a billionaire or whether you're two kids with no money trying to make it out of a van, the whole thing is are you willing to put other, like community first, family first, uh, health first, truth first, over ego. So where you start doesn't really matter. Like, like what he described with the helicopter, what if that was a Rothschild? What if that, what if a Rothschild decided that he wanted to live off grid, homeschool his kids, um, didn't want to be a part of the family business and used helicopters and all this shit, would that make him a bad person? Or, you know, the thing I am seeing, which is why I'm highlighting this is people are trying to use homesteading to fuel their ego. But no matter where you're starting, you could be a billionaire with a thousand acres and you have this whole thing constructed and you want to be a real boy, even though your dad is Amstel Rothschild. And I find that just as inspiring as these two didn't want to get into debt. And so that's why when you're looking at a fractal, it's very important to look at intention and look at where someone's starting from and whether or not they're, they're getting into debt for ego, if they're selling out their family for money, like those are the things to watch out for. And so no matter where you are, no matter whether you're a billionaire with helicopters or someone out of a van, the most valuable thing is your name, your word, your community, your health. Because if things go bad, you can rely on your community. That's why community, no matter where you're at financially, is very, very important because of the frozen soil conditions, a conventional septic was out of the question. And water in this area is about 200 feet deep. So I'll just fast forward a little water. bit. I would also say that a lot of the content on YouTube, the off-grid living content, is very confusing. You see stuff like this where somebody's catching rainwater off the roof of a shed, but then you also see a place that has $40,000 worth of solar panels, or they have a, a brand new $50,000 tractor or they're going to move building material with a helicopter. I saw that one time on television. Who the heck has a helicopter? Yeah, but so see, my pushback, just so that people understand the fractal, is someone could say, who the hell has a truck? Who the hell has a car? The Amish would be like, wait a minute, so you don't use a fucking horse? And you can always do that fractal where you're like, oh, that's not real off-grid living, right? So the key to understanding intention is, are they misrepresenting themselves? And what are, they, what are they putting first? Is it their faith, their family, their community, or is it their ego? Is it their narcissism? Is it spite and vengeance, right? And so that's why this is an interesting thing to think about. Realistic. I don't even know how to relate to that. That's one of the reasons I decided to make this video. Off-grid living, what I understand it to be, what it's been through my life before YouTube, almost before the internet, has very little to do with a lot of the content that I see on YouTube. I think there is a, a Hollywood version of off-grid living, and then there is a, an actual version of off-grid living. 
and I don't know that the two of them have a whole lot in common. Brooke and I started down this path 20 years ago, and it was the best option for us at the time because it was a way that two young people could have a roof over their head for next to nothing, so long as they were willing to sweat and work and learn. And that made sense to us. But nowadays, you know, there is a hipster version of off-grid living, too, that is completely a, a fantasy land, in my opinion. People could have easily called them hipsters, by the way. So the, the key to his intention, which is why I support him and am promoting him, is it was about love. It was about him and his wife living without debt and putting in the effort to do it. Where you start is not really that important. Like the idea that uh, rich people are bad is not valid. It's the same as saying poor people are bad. You know, and we're going to talk about that, what the Talmud has done and how the truth community has their version of the goyim. They're called normies or sheeple. And I was talking to a Jew about this this morning where I'm not even mad at it. Like I'm not even mad that they have this community where they're like, it's us against them. We have to subvert them and we're going to farm them and all that. Well, the, the truthers put down the majority population. They just call them normies or sheeple, and they literally dehumanize them. And so it is kind of like human nature. And so if you're an off-grid legend that can do all these things and you can hunt all your own food and make your own batteries and you suffered and you started at zero and all that, that's awesome. But if someone is capable of being like a computer programmer and they could set up an entire world in a computer for someone else for money and they take that money to buy a tractor that doesn't make them morally bad it's like we are rewarded financially for our skill set you know and so they they still needed some money to build this off-grid cabin and there are 95 percent of the world right now would consider these people incredibly rich and i find that something to point out Let's be honest here, too. So many people have jumped on the off-grid bandwagon because it's popular on YouTube. YouTube is an income stream, and a lot of people have decided to do off-grid content because they find it inspiring. They, they like the idea. But there's also a financial element there, too. There's, there is an opportunity to make money on YouTube with off-grid content. And of course, I think it's pretty easy for people to tell the difference between an authentic experience and some hipster version of off-grid living. It's all an authentic experience. It's like, oh yeah, I live off-grid except for my power tools and my car and the, and the gas station and the grocery store and my job and my clothes that were made in China. And it's like, it does get to a point where you're like, so who's not living an authentic experience? Because I also get frustrated by the hipster um, nonsense, you know, version of off-grid living or like a homesteading. But, you know, the purity spiral goes to where? Like, where do you take it to? Like, at what point do you say like, so, so what, did you suffer more than everyone else? And this is going to bring me to the Jews. Just give me a second. For me, YouTube has really been a blessing because it allows me to do what I've always done and share it with the world. I personally feel much more at home with an outhouse and a wood stove and a little cabin than I would a furnace and a nice bathroom in a beautiful, expensive home, especially when you have a, a, a mortgage on it. For Brooke and I, the income from YouTube has allowed us to buy some property that is much more remote, which is what we both would prefer. Not being- like Imagine if I was like, oh, income from YouTube? 
bitch, you got to use the post office. You're still getting funded by Pfizer. You see how it never ends? And so I, I always try to watch myself to not do that to other people because, you know, it's all about everyone's having their own experience. It's all about being grateful and doing what you can with the tools you're given. You know, because I, I can do that sometimes too, where I'm like, oh, really? Your YouTube money, the ad money you get from pharmaceutical companies? Well, to truly be an off-grid guy, you can, and then look at my computer. It's an Apple computer. I'm using OBS, Safari, QuickTime, the electric grid. Like everybody's in it. Everybody's in the system. You can't get out of it. And to pretend that you, that you can is, um, is a little disingenuous. Like the more I try to sustain our family, our, our food, you know, with our cows, our goats, our chickens, our ducks, our, our gardens, the more I really, um, I really appreciate the system. And I appreciate the, the supply chains and the government and the currency and the, all of it. I really do. I'm late. Looks like somebody got a haircut. What do you think, Precision Barber Bear? He's just as much as a whore as most people. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I have a lot of respect for him. I have a lot of respect that he made that awesome decision with his wife to not be in debt and to struggle through it and do what had to be done to make his homestead. And he has all these valuable skills that he's giving people online. And I think we should all really just understand that having a big, beautiful home does not make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a poser or a hipster. What makes you a poser or a hipster is if you present a world to, if you present a life to the world that isn't real. Like, uh, you know, like I've struggled with people saying, oh, your baby's always happy. And I'm like, well, my baby's not always happy. I just don't put, post pictures of, of them screaming uh, because I don't want that on the internet. Like, I just don't want, you know, it, that's like one of the few aspects of my life that I don't share with the world is like, um, like I'm not going to take a picture of my kid just like having colic screaming all night because it's embarrassing for him. Like, imagine if he grows up and the world has these images of him screaming like my one-year-old, right? But the truth of parenting, which I'm very open about, when you get into parenting, you will have a lot of sleepless nights. Your kids will scream and cry and get sick and misbehave and all that stuff. I just don't share that with the world because it's, uh, it's their lie. I think that that would make me a, a kind of a bad dad, you know, where it's like if they're in 20 years, they're like, so you showed the whole world me fucking crying, <laughs> you know? So uh, that's like one of the only aspects of my life that I don't share exactly how it is uh, because I don't want someone to be, it's almost like a form of lying where you're basing your decisions off bad information. And then when you fail or life isn't what you thought it would be, it was because someone lied to you. And I'm never going to be that person because I think it comes with, uh, I think it's like evil to do that. Or there's enough people sarcastically showing their kids being nightmares and drinking because of it. The good side is underrepresented. Yeah, my kids are awesome. I mean, but that's the only side of my life that I do actually misrepresent. Like, for example, the new special, there's no edits. We, we, did, we, we thought that over. And I'm not saying it's bad to edit if you're a comedian or whatever. Go for it. I'm not being a moral. This isn't a moral decision. But I just thought that that was really cool. 
and me and Adam and Buzz Killington and the boys, we all decided that we were going to we were going to show the special exactly every second of what it was. Like I say, um, a few too many times and like, and that bothers me. And we could easily edit that out. There's a time when I, a few times I checked my notes. One time I go, oh, that joke didn't work. And uh, we kept it all. I want you to see exactly what we all got to see in that, in that tent that day. I'm so happy I grew up without my entire childhood post on the internet. Yeah, but that being said, if you grow up and like, let's say my kids, I've thought about this a lot. Like they go into Bertaria times in 15 years, they'd love it. They'd be like, thanks for keeping all these memories. Thanks for showing this. Thanks for, you know, uh, documenting our life. This is so cool. And uh, the thing that they wouldn't probably like, which is why I don't do this, is I don't put them in sketches. I don't have them nude. And I know that sounds like it shouldn't be said, but there was a bear in the past that kept post posting uh, pictures of his daughter, like his five, six, seven-year-old daughters without shirts on, and I find that insane. Um, and in embarrassing moments. Like, I don't show them embarrassing themselves. I don't show them in pain. I don't have them act in sketches, and I don't have them naked. And because of that, I'm pretty confident they're going to like what dad did. But uh, I know people that, like, for example, when Will Ferrell had his daughter in that sketch, I thought that was, even before I had kids, I thought that was bad parenting. When he did that sketch called The Landlord or Landlady, and she was just screaming, like, obscenities and shit before she knew uh, what the words meant. I don't like that at all. Like, it, I don't tell my kids, like, oh, listen, we're going to do a sketch, and you're going to play this part, and you have to say these lines, because they don't, they can't consent to that. Like a child, like no matter what age they are, if you're going to do a sketch, this is why child actors are all fucked up because they don't know what they're in. Like, imagine you grow up and you look back and you were in the movie, a sound of freedom. And you're like, wait a minute. You put me in a scene where I was like getting raped by a fucking Colombian. What the fuck? And even though they didn't experience it at the time, their face is in this scene forever now. And that's why when people are like, oh, the sound of freedom, we're stopping child abuse. I'm like, the movie is child abuse. Like that fucking movie is child abuse. You take a little seven year old and you, I don't care if at the time they think they're playing, you put their face in a scene where they're getting raped in a jungle. Oh, they, we didn't really rape her. How do people not see this? It's fucking insane. Yeah. We got to make sure people play kids. Like I think Joe Rogan could play a seven year old. I only share my children on BTA. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's good to share the happy moments you have with your kids. I think it helps the youth see how great family is. I think that it builds bonds. I, I, I respect the people that don't share their kids on the internet. I think that that's a valid choice. And, um, and I totally see that. But I also think that sharing good family moments changes culture for the better, permanently. Because people hide how beautiful family is. And then what we're shown from Hollywood is how gross and annoying and fat and fucking repulsive it all is. And, uh, and I wanted to change that. And I made a conscious decision to share my family with you guys because uh, it led to so many, it led to so many people wanting to have a family, you know? And so that's a decision I made. All right, Kyneton, are we caught up? We're about to get into the Jews. So imagine a world where Ben Shapiro had a good sense of humor about the Holocaust. So somebody made this video. 
Bless the baby boomers who think this is real. I can't believe people think this is real. It blew my mind that this is actually Ben Shapiro reacting to a Holocaust joke I did on my special. Uh, but imagine how much better this world would be if these people could just laugh through the trauma, like laugh through their victim consciousness. All right, watch this. Like it was causing her people so much pain. I'm like, no, I was trying to reason with her. I'm like, well, it was a big war. A lot of people died. Let's move past it, right? And she's like, they, did, they died especially bad with us. They turned us into soap. I'm like, why would someone who hates you bathe with you? And she's like, that is what? I'm like, it started with Greenland. Uh, no, no, I'll back up. No, no, no. And so, uh, and so I really felt for these people because they're in a lot of pain. A lot, you know, great storytellers. Uh, there's a lot about their uh, culture I really enjoy. But there's so much pain around the Holocaust. I want to really help their pain. So I looked into it and I ran some numbers. And I went to my friend. I'm like, I have the best news ever. Like you and your sister do not need to have survivors. I know why you have survivor's guilt. Because you literally all survived. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that, that tagline was, was uh, written by a Jew by uh, Wild Medbear, like an ethnic, whatever that even means. And uh, he came up with that line because I was working on that joke for like a year about the good news. Like the, the, the humor in that joke that's so obvious is why isn't it the best news ever that six million of your family members didn't die in a jerk off machine on a roller coaster like and were turned into soap, right? Like, wouldn't you be relieved? Like, imagine if you had a family member, like your grandmother, you're like, what happened to grandma? She's dead. Imagine it being like, yeah, she died in the war. They didn't have enough food versus like, she was held in a container getting like fingered and, and like turned into soap, which didn't happen, okay? Provably didn't happen. They didn't turn people into soap. So like, I'm not saying that they didn't lose people in the war, of course. And I'm not saying the Nazis didn't do horrible things and have camps and, and people were, uh, were persecuted, of course. Millions and millions of people all over. We're all Holocaust survivors. We all survived. Okay? But when you find out, because a lot of these guys' stories have been revealed, like uh, Eli Wiesel and Man's Search for Meaning and all this, factually impossible that they happened. And you'll, show, you'll see the clip where a guy made up this whole story of talking to a girl through a fence with an apple. And they're like, but it didn't happen. He's like, in my mind, it happened. In my mind, it was real. And so when you're told that your family wasn't tortured, why wouldn't you be happy? And that's the joke. And so we, we tweaked it and all that. And, and then I immediately make fun of Nazis right after it. So I, I'm a very fair guy in this whole special. Like the Nazis, like, oh, you know about the Jew? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, these guys are being real annoying. It's like, it's, the Jew is not the master race. We are the master race. I'm like, so why aren't you guys in control? And they're like, because we can't stop watching the pornos. I'm like, wait, what? So you're the master race, but you can't stop. And they're like, they make us watch the dirty movies. So the entire show that I do here, which is why I'm really excited to show it to the world, is breaking victim consciousness. No one's doing shit to you. I think it might be one of the first times in the history of comedy that a guy who does homesteading is doing comedy. And homesteading will beat the fucking special boy out of you. And so uh, here's some super chats and I'll uh, show you. Uh, 
Resources to the front line for the streams, music, and keeping the chats clean. Cheers. Thank you, Blee. J-Rock. Good for you, keeping your special unclipped. Thank you, J-Rock. Moon Jazz. I hid for 18 weeks under a pile of shoes. The sound of death squirts almost broke my will to carry on. But then the DMV lady called my number, and I registered my Volkswagen and walked in my Adidas shirt, sipping on a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Thank you for sharing. We're all survivors. Mormon Rishi, I saw one of your cows walking outside the window over your right shoulder. My soul enjoyed it randomly enough. I'm happy to hear your soul to enjoy it. Charles 369 Bear, paying the gay away for not thinking I'm gay, so I don't need to pay it away, but not super chatting is gay. That's so true. Run Boston Bear, uh, replayed your talk with Crow and Dave Weiss while mowing today. It was a good choice of content. Thank you. And if you want my entire backlog, uh, unauthorized.tv. Uh, I've changed my mind on certain things, but I was always honest. And that's why you will enjoy thousands of hours of material if you want it. Hey, Big Bear, I emailed you a letter. May I, may I need to just mail it? I was gay to email Bunny Bear. Uh, don't be hard on yourself, Bunny Bear. You're doing great work. All right. They were turned into soap. That's a lie, L-Y-E. Yeah. And so getting mad at Jews is the wrong move. It's part of the scam. And I think they're trying to keep Jews in this house of horrors to control them. And I'm about to get to my theory in a second. Odyssey. This is one of the best shows so far. Why, thank you, M. Runner. I'm focused. Uh, tell people to make sure to get it because we are going close off sales at 6 million units. So we know that every survivor has one. So we're going to sell 6 million of these mugs. So get yours today. Because we will shut off sales at $6 million so that you let everyone know that not only are we, um, are we, we remember the Holocaust, but we survived it and we're very, very encouraging of everyone to celebrate it. Uh, so far, we've sold five mugs. <laughs> Guys, it's just a mug. You don't have to wear it in public. It's fucking hilarious. And it gets the conversation started. Uh, Adam just sent me this clip about uh, my advice to Ye for picking his own cotton. Let's take a look. And don't forget to sign up for the email notification at owenbenjamin.com. All right, here we go. Apparently I'm the guy to call if you get kicked off platforms now because I survived, you know? And like, uh, what was it, like eight months ago? I get a call from Kanye West. And he's like, hey man, it's Ye. I'm like, wait, what? Seriously? And it was. We ended up becoming friends. And he's like, I hear you can get through this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah, you can too. I, I, the advice I told him, I go, just don't be dependent and don't be a victim. They don't have to give you any of their systems. So whatever they kick you out of, they made and you're not entitled to. And I go, yeah, you want to know what would blow the world's mind? If you started picking your own cotton for your own clothes. <laughs> Dude, I told him that, and he, he was like, yeah. I was like, dude, because say what you will about Kanye. He said one of the truest things of all times. He said, slavery is a choice, and that's a fact. And I was like, you want to break victim consciousness for your people? You pick your own cotton. Man, that's a good clip. The whole special is fucking great. All right. No, we just put them up to sale, uh, for sale. We didn't have them for sale yesterday. They've been, uh, they've been for sale for 10 minutes, and we've sold five uh, merch for bears. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet that out. 
what should I, what should I caption the yay video? What should I caption it, everybody? What should I caption it? What should I caption it? I want to give one to my former friend who faked Auschwitz. I retweeted it already. Who who escaped? Who fake escaped Auschwitz? What should I tweet? Like, what should I write in my tweet about that video? My advice to Yay when he called me. OwenBenjamin.com. Sign up for email notification when this goes live. Uh, pick your own cotton. Uh, he doesn't do Twitter though. He has like he's never on there. I'm not tagging people. What video? The one I just showed you, Kurt. Um, does anybody have any tall cot? Tall cotton with yay. Um, cotton Americans. Yay speaks with the rabbi. Yay's hay. Good one, Charles. Oh boy, yay's hay. Is that the best we got? Yay, cotton. Um, out of my cotton pick in mind, let's all pick our own cotton. That's pretty funny. And I'll tag uh, Adam in there in case this goes, goes somewhere. In case the fucking algorithms don't try and fuck with me. Jesus. All right. Tagging Adidas is funny. I'm trying not to start trouble. I know that Jews like to accuse me of starting all kinds of trouble, but uh, I think that the Holocaust has been marketed better than any uh, genocide in human history, and I want to get on board. And so the new mugs that we're selling, by the way, the, the, the words are more condensed so you can see it easier. That was the one uh, change we made. So anyway, here's a cartoon me and the great uh, Mountain Bear did a while ago all about... Uh, Pol Pot's Holocaust. And I just like to say, great job on the Holocaust marketing. And I want in as a survivor. I'm really into it. Okay, here we go. What's about my Holocaust? I kill millions of Tlanti. I put bullet in back of people's head. Dude, you call that branding? No, no. I kill millions of people. Pol Pot, you suck at genocide. No, I kill way more people. It's not about how many you kill. It's about how you sell it. Listen, buddy, no one cares about the sick shit you did in the jungle, you know? No, I kill millions of people. That's not, that doesn't sell it, baby. Come on, that doesn't sell it. That's not even that scary. Everyone's like, oh, line up and shoot everybody. Oh, big fucking deal. Well, no, we, where's the pile of shoes? I did put bullet in back of head and put in ditch. You're not getting it, Pol Pot. You're not, You're not getting, getting it. it. You want to make an industry around your genocide to last for centuries? You need piles of shoes. You need soap. How fucked up is it to make soap out of people? Did people really do that? No, fuck no, they didn't do that. That makes no sense. Why would you clean yourself with people you find disgusting? I know. How, why would they do that while they're fighting a two-front war? They didn't. That really make no logical sense. But it doesn't matter. It's about emotion. It's about selling it. Now you bring in a movie where you have... There's, it's black and white, except for a little girl in a red dress. Oh, you're remembering that shit now. And then they put you into a, 
a gas chamber with wooden doors where you claw at it. And for some reason, the claw marks are in cement. Come on. Come on. This is how we brand it. Well, I kill more people with my gun. Baby, you got to sell the fear. You got to sell the horror. You got to sell it subtly with a pile of shoes. I, I don't like you people. You people are very sick. What if people see through it and start talking about it? You make it illegal. You put them in jail for hate. <laughs> so logically, if someone does the math and realizes it's not possible, that's called hate. That don't make no sense. Popot, you're not getting it. Genocide isn't about killing people. It's about brand awareness. Brand awareness? Do you have Killing Fields Incorporated? Fuck no, we just used a field to kill people. You're not getting it. You have to use corporate documents, liability shields, and then make that money, baby. Come on, Pol Pot. No way anyone that stupid. You feed them pornography and KFC, they're that stupid. You people are very weird. Hilarious. All right. So I also got a new Postal Fet. One second. It's very exciting what we're doing with comedy these days. We're actually trying, swear to God, and you guys know I'm, I'm truthful, I think it will help Jewish people. Because I was writing to Brett Weinstein today, my hilarious pen pal that I actually do like, about my theory about the ADL. And I'm, I know I'm not the first to, uh, come on, why isn't this fucking working? I know I'm not the first to come up with this theory. Download anyway. Reload page. What's going on here? But it's definitely to get people to hate Jews. I realize, I realize that I'm late to the party on this thing. And I probably said this already in the past, but it all made perfect sense to me and why I've been targeted to be the anti-Semite. It's not because I have uh, a hatred for Jews. It's because I'm very confrontational. And I'm such an easy mark for... Uh, for anybody that wants to get like horror. And I, I'm, I'm realizing how much of a retard I am. Trust me. Where's my thing I wrote to, uh, to Weinstein. So I said, uh, where's the Weinstein thing here? One second. Did I delete it? I didn't delete shit. Oh, here we go. So I wrote to Weinstein. I said, bro, I have a theory. And although we occasionally fight on Twitter, I do like you and think you're honest. I think these stop anti-Semitism groups aren't trying to stop anti-Semitism. They're trying to create it to keep Jews in a state of fear. I think they try and poke at me and get me pissed at Jews, not because I hate Jews, but because I'm very combative. Let's all just be honest about what I am. I just fight with anyone who wants to fight with me. I got to work on this. Okay. Not a great quality, but it's a fact. If there was a stop Quaker hate org who kept poking at me and attacking, I would literally burn my Quaker Oats bags. Do you have any insights into this? Because all of, for all of my faults, I'm quite self-aware and I really don't hate Jews at all, but I keep getting dragged into these ridiculous fights. And then someone said... I think you're just starting shit and blaming the response for starting shit. And I wrote, so when I got banned from PayPal and YouTube and Airbnb for anti-Semitism, 
which was just me doing the same type of humor at Jews that I do with everyone that's starting shit. So when the ADL pressured my mom's college to have her fired, which she was, that was because I'm a troublemaker. Dude, I'm telling you what's actually happening. Believe it or not, these stop Jew hate organizations are actively trying to get people to hate Jews who have no problem with Jews. It's a fact. And I, I see it crystal clear now. So I'm an easy target because I will get pissed off and fight with anybody. So if someone's like, ah, oh, the Jew. So one thing I keep seeing out of these organizations is they keep saying shit is a anti-Semitic trope. They're like, someone's against communism, globalism, sodomy, and child rape. Sounds like someone's doing anti-Semitic tropes. And so people start being like, wait a minute. So that's Jews do that? Like, so communism is Jewish? And they're like, oh, trying to, trying to hurt me. And so what do they do? What's the point of this? Why are they using clips from me six years ago to, to, to spam? At first I was like, oh, they're using this to get me kicked off Twitter. I have too much reach. I'm pissing people off. I don't think so. Maybe they are. Maybe they're going to kick me off Twitter. I have no idea. But I think they're trying to keep Jews scared because that's the only way they can control Jews. And more and more and more people that are like, I don't know, whatever, dude, you're a cool dude. I don't mind your little hat. They're like, no, we need, we need, we need somebody to really go fucking crazy. And that's when I come in. And if you know me, like, you know, me as a person, you watch all my streams, it's abundantly clear that I don't have an ax to grind with Jews. I don't have an ax to grind with any of this shit. And you see why that's why these videos are so funny when they post them, when I'm like, the Jews worship money. And this one bitch is like, you, you some Israeli bitch. But uh, to finish the thought, you see that I just do this with everybody. I made fun of a Danish doctor who like loves me and supports me for like five straight weeks that he was going to finger my ass. Okay, this is my personality. I'm a perfect mark to get me to be the poster child for hate. Because of my uh, sense of humor, because I don't mind conflict, because I'll talk shit, I find talking shit hilarious. And so as the fear of the Goyim lowers, they need more anti-Semites. They need people to say crazy shit. So anyway, uh, the reason they need to go back six years to get clips, and the clips aren't even that bad, is because now I'm just so light about it. Like it's just, there's no way to take these clips and, and scare people because it's obviously funny. And this one bitch on here was like, you say my God is, my God is money. You say my God is money and my family. You're hurting me. And so what did I say? I, uh, it was a pretty funny response because it's all about keeping it funny, keeping it light. I said, um, I said, uh, hey, Jews, if I really was wrong about money being your God and if I was... And if I was, I apologize. But if it's not, if money is not your God, can you give me some? If it's no big deal, then just throw me a few grand. Why not? It's not like it's your God or anything, right? It's just, that was, a, that was hilarious. Because uh, it's funny. You got to keep it funny, dude. Because when people are like, oh, the Jew, the Jew's in control, the Jew's this... They need that. Without that, they don't have any juice. And there are a lot of Jews in positions of power and positions of influence and control because 
they're very motivated by this fucking hate bullshit. You know, their mommy is like, you're such a special boy, Ira. He's like, me, me. But yet they traumatize him and say they were turned into soap and all this shit. It's fascinating mind control. All this shit isn't aimed at us. It's all aimed at Jews. The Holocaust narrative is not aimed at us. It's aimed to keep Jews in line. And the only way through this spell is fucking humor. That's the only way. So Coddington, don't get so fired up at Jews. They love it. We've got a host of options. P.O. Box. Thank you, Coddington. Thank you. Because I was talking to a Jew this morning, and this is uh, some insight. And, And dude, truthers do the same shit. So don't think you're any better than these fucking dirty little Jews, all right? The truther likes to keep everybody afraid. Oh, uh, you know, October 4th, they're going to fucking do a FEMA on your phone's going to melt your dick, right? And so even when these things don't happen, they keep the fear pulsing going. They separate. They make you the special boys and everyone else is the goyim, right? You're, you're a truther. You get it. But uh, everybody else is a normie sheeple. You're, you're literally comparing them to animals. Because I was showing the Talmud, and I did a lot more research into the Talmud. It's not their rules, but a lot of them do live by some of these things. It's more of a debate they had, like 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. The fact they're debating whether or not Gentiles are just animals is uh, very telling. You could easily be offended by it, but then ask yourself, have you compared anyone recently to animals? Is it really that out of the realm of imagination? Did you not call your uncle a quote-unquote sheeple for thinking we went to the moon what is a sheep is a sheep a fucking animal okay so um i was talking to a jew one of my jews which we will liberate and uh and uh what do you say the talmud is a good way to draw out the incoherence of the jewish people most secular jews have no idea what it is but will defend it because they think they're supposed to Most Orthodox Jews revere it as equal to or greater than the Bible and will defend its every word of mostly nonsense. Bear in mind, there is no rules in the Talmud. It's nonsense. Okay. Uh, My Orthodox friends have a pejorative term for me because I reject the Talmud. I'm not going to reveal that. I don't want to reveal to his friends or whatever. Not that anyone gives a fuck. I wrote, I hear it's debates. Is there laws in it? I ask. There's different parts of it. Some of it is oral law which they say was secretly passed on by Moses to certain priests who thought writing it down was too dangerous. Most of it is nonsense debates between rabbis of 2,000 years ago. The fact is, Orthodox Jews of today use it as their central text because it has worked for them very well over the last 500 years. Other than getting kicked out of Europe, (laughs) good one, they get great power and wealth out of the us versus the Goyim mentality. Yes, so do the truthers, so do the Catholics, it's so do the Freemasons, the whole us versus them fear thing. I, I really try to avoid it in the bear community, despite how obviously good it is at uh, keeping communities tight and productive. I don't want to be a part of uh, fear in anyone. Um, so that's why I actively don't have names for non bears. I don't try to dehumanize anybody. And I also uh, don't like to scare people. Okay, no different than any insider's club, like a guild or a secret society or chamber of commerce, but it's not all bad. They do hold themselves to a high standard of morality within their own community. 
And I wrote, yeah, I'm fine with it. People naturally do it. Normies are goy for truthers. He said, absolutely. Catholics are the same. If you don't do their magic spells, you're a heathen going to hell. I wrote, I think they use people like me to keep Jews scared because I'm so confrontational. If there was an ADL for Quakers that kept poking me, they'd get clips of me screaming about Quakers. And he wrote, it's the only thing that unites Jews. It's the bunker mentality. It's true. Um, and so I just want to share that. Now let's enjoy um, Postal Fet. Hang on, how long is this? This says it's an hour long. It's definitely not an hour long. We'll figure this out. This is his pre, his pre-festival uh, letter, and then he's going to do the post-festival letter. So let's all take a, a minute to just sit back and enjoy some comedy. I'll read the super chats. I got a couple letters here, and then we'll call it a day. How's that sound for everyone that isn't gay? All right, here we go. Dear Big Bear, here's a letter delivered by Postal Fat from your favorite Jew, Ira Roth. Hey, Big Bear, it's been a while since I've written a letter. <laughs> but before we can continue, let me say this. Live chat, listen up and shut the fuck up during my letter. Go pay your gay away if you're going to bring up distractions while Big Bear reads my letter, my precious letter. Don't you know? We are connecting. Now back to my letter. So Big Bear, I heard you're coming to the National Festival this year. I sure hope you didn't forget you need to purchase a golden ticket for me to attend and perform. Hopefully your poor old truck will survive the journey to Missouri. I heard you spilled the beans that it needs new brakes, tires, radiator, and who knows what else. For someone who claims to be part of the white race with a little bit of Jew, it sure does sound like you maintain your truck like a black. <laughs> oh. I heard Boer Bear maintains his vehicles better than you. Come on, man. Balding tires much? I bet you spent your super chat money on buying some crunk rims. <laughs> Crunk rims. Anyway, if you're worried about your old truck, you do know you could get a small loan from me to buy the truck of your dreams. It will have all the features. Cooled seats for your swamp ass, purple drink dispenser, and banging <laughs> speakers at them. It will even be strong enough to pull a camper. Or you can stay with me and my grandpa RV for a small fee. I know you'll need a spot at the festival to get away from all the gamma beers. Also, I am gonna set up a booth for you at the festival so bears can pay to meet you. Don't worry, Big Bear, I'll give you 33% of the profit. I am very much looking forward to the festival and seeing all of my old friends again. I heard this year Jack and Beth, Big Anchor, and all the retards are gonna sing some nigger music for the bears. If you want, I can get you a good deal on what would the Jew do bracelet from Jack and Bat. Also, you got to be careful at this festival. Moon Jazz Bear will be running around gravy raping people with his P900 camera and Mercury stories. What a nut job. <laughs> Unfortunately, nature is always right won't be there to teach us about his Asian soil techniques. Composting pets and dog eating. I heard he is busy trimming his caterpillar thighs eyebrows. <laughs> and I thought Jews had it bad with hair. Oh, Jesus. 
I talked with my weather Jews, and you can pay my boy TJ, Toronto Jew Bear, a small fee to make sure it won't rain this year. Don't forget to attend Sunday service underneath the circus tent with me, Big Bear. Church Bear is going to be talking about your favorite topic, the Trinity. <laughs> no, that's not happening. I sure hope to see that long hair bear again. I uh, maybe it bought a big bird named Crow. Oh, you're talking about uh oh you're talking about Jason. Crow Triple Seven Sesame Street Podcast will come. But Big Bear, make sure you send the big bird an invite. Big Bear, you have to let me get you a sweet deal on a mis special massage from Squirts Inside Myself Bear. Also, maybe he can show you how to squirt inside, too. <laughs> Just like he showed me last year. I heard this year he's going to show everyone how to pee on biochar. Oh, Jesus. This year I'm bringing my own book to burn with Nightbird. It's going to be a book by Sam Harris. That Jew isn't treating the goy right. Doesn't he know how much money I could make off of the goy by keeping them alive? Compared to his kill them off plan... When I am done burning his book, there won't be a Holocaust shoe museum for him to hide in. Anyway, just remember, Big Bear, crushing sets you free. See you at the festival. That was great. Well done, Postal Fet. And that's going to be it for me today. Codsworth Final Super Chats. All right, that was hilarious. Uh, I just saw something on Twitter. So, oh, and by the way, tomorrow I'm having on John Del Rose. A uh, new member of unauthorized.tv. Uh, Vox speaks very highly of him. He's quite talented. John Della Rose. I just retweeted him on uh, on uh, Twitter. I'm excited to talk to him. The the artistic community of of uh, Arctoons and the legend Chuck Dixon and all those guys is really growing. And it's a perfect time to grow because the rest of the industry has gone fucking insane. So I, I just saw Steven Crowder post something that's the gayest. And I know I, I, I call things gay all the time, but this may be the gayest thing I've ever seen a guy post ever once. Yeah, one second. I've never seen anything gayer in my entire life. Look at this. Did Steven Crowder literally just posted this? He said... Is AOC hot or ugly? I don't know, Steven. Uh, if you're a heterosexual, you could probably figure that out yourself, right? I mean, holy fuck. That's what he's doing with his life now that he's divorced? So, is this woman hot? I don't know. Can a heterosexual please tell me? All right, here's some super chats. Crazy Sink, same shirt, same haircut, same beard as Blueberry Video. Every other comedian releasing free specials right now. It's crazy because your special is the only one I can't wait to buy. Indeed. Yeah, we've been uh, blessed to be kicked out of everything. And we, God willing, we will free the Jews from their mental prison of everyone's out to get them. That being said, hopefully we can also free the people that want to blame everything on the Jews. Um, I also go with the vets, the cripples, the Christians, the gays, the tall, the small, myself, Guys, it's, it's worth buying. Big Bear, I used to follow you on all, all the time on YouTube. Then my life took off and you were basically scrubbed. I manned up, got married, and I'm going to be a father in April. So happy to see you again. Oh, that's so, that's so great. I love that. 
Uh, Kyneton, I'm guessing we're not caught up, and I'm assuming people are fucking grateful. So why don't you go ahead and hit me with the Super Chats. Lewski sent me this legendary book. Thank you, Lewski. Let me read this. Lewski's a solid guy, solid artist. Dear Owen and Clan Bear, firstly, how dare you? How double, triple, quadruple dog dare you, Big Bear? Of course. Uh, Rockfin, Anthony says, not telling you to look into this guy, but Brandon Joe Williams explains quite professionally how to legally and lawfully get out of the so-called system. I'm not endorsing any of that. Um, that's from Plaster Bear. I am really not, I don't vibe well at all with people that are giving legal remedy to get out of the system because people end up in fucking jail who follow that shit. But I appreciate the super chat and, um, moving on. I've never seen it work. And the stakes are really, really high if you go against the system. I don't recommend it at all. I got sung to the tune of That's Why They Call It The Blues. Nice, Eric. French Muslim. I have been sharing the cartoon with family and friends. They love it. I I bet they do, French Muslim. Um, Eric, you probably say for no reason if you didn't want to imply treason for that last line. And I guess that's why they call them the Jews, grabbing and stealing, squealing like demons, obsessed with semen guilty of treason. Yeah, I'm not going to say Jews are guilty of treason. I'm trying to coax them back into reality. Like, attacking the Jews is the only fucking thing they have going for them now. And I'd like to free them of their hellish uh, self-hatred victim consciousness and just remind everyone that we're all victims. No, we're not all victims. I'm not pushing that. We're all survivors of the Holocaust. Merchforbears.com. Okay, moving on. All right. Uh, for taking away several hours of content, I work listening to every week that you recommended to me in the first place. I no longer can listen to pockets of the future. Now I know the guy is just a miserable moaning piece of shit. Secondly, how dare you take away yet more hours of material I listen to while it's working? Yes. Again, you recommended to us all in the form of rim job. And thirdly, how dare you, how dare you take away more of my Interest listening to which I spent my hours developing art and design in the form of Squirtus Moan, which again, yes, you recommended to us all. I know, and I take responsibility for that, and I'm sorry. Could it be, though, maybe it's a coincidence, since I've had to stop listening to them, my mind feels lighter somehow. Maybe the key is you stop recommending stuff to us all? Yes, I've stopped. Unless it's people I know personally. Like, I've been listening to other YouTube channels and shit. I'm not recommending anything, because I'm so fucking wrong. And I don't want to bring people down a dark path. Rimjob is insane. And I recommended him to like a million people. But what happens if all our journeys and battles made us all more resilient? What if we all became a little clearer, stronger and wiser? So in hindsight, keep recommending the future battles. No, but I do have to learn from my mistakes, you know. I think I speak for us all. We will have future battles. Don't you worry, your British little heart, Lewski. I, we don't have to create the battles. They just come. Trust me. Anyway, as always, I've exhausted myself and probably most of your listeners by now. No, it's a perfect length of a letter. Good wishes to you and yours and all the bears. The dick from England who sends you way too many memes. Kind regards, Lewski. Then we have this. Keep Minnesota mothers behind bars. That's quite funny. That's, that's a good time. Behind bars that they're, they're baking. Um... Uh, 
Big Bear, before I forget again, please add my wife and, and I to your Christmas card list. We would really appreciate and enjoy receiving it. I had another couple thoughts on Pockets of the Failure and several other groups of the so-called truth community. I can't believe that I did not see them before Paul's meltdown and listening to you roast him and break it down these past couple weeks. I've noticed that almost everyone in the truth community that says their spiritual beliefs aren't a religion are exactly describing a religion. Yes, I've learned that. That's why I've never been against religion because they're like, oh, I'm simply spiritual. Uh, but if you don't come with us, you get reincarnated as a, as a frog's dick. And if you do, you merge with God. And I'm like, you mean? And in the same sentence, they'll be like, yeah, we don't believe in, in future punishment or future reward based on being in our heartfulness meditation. But if you don't do it, you'll reincarnate as a frog's dick. And if you do do it, you go to, you go to God. And I'm like, oh boy. Um, it's always about preparing for their rewards in the next life and never about doing anything to make their current existence, relationship, or society any better right now. Yeah, that's why I always watch out for Christians that are crazy about how works don't free you. Don't get me wrong. I've had great conversations with people about faith versus works, blah, blah, blah. But the ones who are super triggered about works are usually lazy cunts. When they're like, it's not works. It's only faith. Only that the son can get to the father. If what you do doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, well, I see why you suck. Almost always their beliefs are set in stone. They don't want any input from anyone outside a small group. Time and time again, we see groups of gammas bastardize real religion and spirituality to fit a narrative. Well, they will finally be the secret kings they know they are. Paul from Pockets literally believes he's a reincarnated secret king. Literally. Thanks for you for leading the charge away from this destructive path. I did it unintentionally. It was actually Paul who did a five-hour video about how I'm a parasite and a cancer. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Whatever the correct answer is spiritually, I'm pretty sure that when, uh, when give our personal thoughts in the next life, we'll hear back something like, yeah, that's great, but what did you do to make your life, your family's life, and your community's life better? The common denominator is always gratitude and authenticity and love. And, you know, I had a great talk with a vet today. Like, a, I'll talk about that another time. But just about, like, you know, being able to do what needs to be done when it's presented to you is very important. Gratitude, very important. Um, you know, putting in the work. Very, it's, always, it's always the simplest shit that we all... And then out of that can come these beautiful religions, and that's why I'm not against religion. I'm not against organized Christianity and churches. I'm not against uh, Islam. Because these are the fractal results of people attempting to practice what they believe to be true spiritually. And everybody does a religion, whether it's fucking CrossFit or Catholicism. It's just, do you admit it? And I prefer people that uh, admit it. A vet is Benny okay? Well, no, Benny's a zombie, but uh, no, a veteran of foreign wars. <clears throat> no, Benny's hilarious. I mean, he's so old, it's insane. He's at least 21, potentially 25 years old, my dog. And he doesn't know where the fuck he is, but he seems like he's not in pain at all, and he walks around all day. Um, so I'm just, I'm just rolling, man. Whenever Benny's ready to die, that's it for Benny. Uh, I'll miss him terribly. I cry sometimes thinking about our life together. But uh, 
What a life. I can't believe I took the time to write you twice in three weeks. If I'm not careful, I'll get kicked out of the Lazy Omega Club. Hilarious. Thanks, as always, for what you do. Please enjoy the stamps and fiat currency. I've enjoyed listening to you over the years as I've gone from suburban apartment living middle manager to homeowner in Wisconsin. Perhaps I'll stay motivated and send you another letter before the year recapping my journey from liberal 80s college student to almost 60-year-old semi-homesteader, Bill. You sound awesome, Bill, and I appreciate all the letters. As long as it's one page, you guys can send me fucking letters all you want. You don't even need to super chat and I'll read them. It's all about the length of letter. Uh, P.S. When you interviewed Vivian, Vivian Kubrick, good job never once bringing up her famous dad. That was a pro move. Oh, this is uh, this. Oh, dear Owen. Thank you for the deep dive into the outline of World War One. I. I have been writing a long time. Uh, I have been waiting a long time to have it what I guess you were something with it. I put and the nigs. I don't know what you're saying. Do you think at the end of all your writing, pulling you will find yourself in the penthouse of Synep? <laughs> yeah. And when you break the final curtain, there will only be a minion and you will fall to your knees. There will only be a something. You're crying as you meet Ira Roth. With, oh, that Ira Roth was you all along. I can't believe you said that. Dick Drawing Bear. Of course, it's fucking Dick Drawing Bear. I was going to do a sketch four years ago where I'm playing cards with me, uh, uh, the Grabbler mask, except it's me, obviously. And it turns out I'm the Grabbler. You know, that was when I was going through my intense spiritual quest of not blaming anyone for my problems. And I had a dream that I wanted to shoot as a sketch where I'm playing and I have pocket aces and the Grabbler um, has like two seven and I'm sweating and I'm looking at the Grabbler and it's fucking playing with my... And I want to go out because I'm scared of the Grabbler. I hate the Grabbler. And then it turns out the Grabbler is me. And that is part of the hero's journey. It's that, it's that scene with uh, Luke in the cave with uh, Darth Vader. It's the scene with Atreyu looking in the mirror and he sees himself as the little boy reading the story. And that's 100% true. Like, we are the Grabbler. Okay. PPS, on your stream I'm listening to right now, some bear wrote you a letter asking about the status of Synap synchronicity real-time, PPSS. Osama, Candle in the Wind was epic, PPPSSS. Will you please play a medley of HBB.1.5 into crazy? Um, oh, Jesus. This is, he's not drawing dicks anymore. Dick Drawn Bear is not drawing dicks anymore. He's drawing me if I was in better shape. I don't know what you mean by... Uh, HBB.1.5 into crazy. I don't know what that is, but I really enjoyed that letter. Thank you. Um, all right. I'm going to go hang with the family. I did an hour 42. There's a dick drawing bear. He used to draw dicks all the time. I wouldn't show him on stream, but I feel like dick drawing bear is really maturing. Really. Uh, I don't know. I can tell in his voice that he's, uh, he's just really grown as a person. He used to only draw dicks. All right, BB, Northern Illinois Boomer Bear here. As a 67-year-old fuck, I've got to own it. Never owned a Buick, though. 
The festival was amazing. We'll definitely be donating for next year's event also. I knew that I would be in the minority of festival attendees, but that being said, never felt out of place. Uh, met many wonderful families and people. Arrived Thursday afternoon to set up my tent and met Papa Jay. That's a different Papa Jay, not the Irish. Unfortunately, or should I say fortunately, they didn't have their list yet, so he suggested I find a hotel for the night. So off to Mountain Grove to find a room. As I'm unloading my Joey, I hear someone yell, Bertaria. I turn around and meet my first bears. Happy Hooker Bear, more times at the, and her husband. Had a long talk with them, and I saw them many more times at the festival. Friday, head over to the festival is something, and there is Papa Jay at the front gate. I think we're talking about a different, don't worry, Papa Jay, no one's, no one's taking your name. And surprisingly, he remembered my slave name and tells me where to set up. I saw him several times after, and with the hundreds of people he must have seen at the gate, still remembered my name. That's amazing. Was able to meet you after the show. Was able to say hello to Amy and Mama Jean. Got to see many of the bears it only heard about. Permi Bear, Cod, Topher, Jackalbat, Hootily Daddle, and the list goes on and on. Never been to an event before that had such a good vibe going on from beginning to end. Everyone was friendly, willing to help out, and willing to talk after years of following your stand-up comedy to Sullivan and Son and now was blown away with the show. Yes, Dirt Bucket's intro was awesome. So back to some of my sinks from staying at that hotel from the first night. I'm walking back to the parking lot and I run into Happy Hooker husband and he's telling me that you and your family are staying at the same hotel. Uh, yes. It was actually a, a motel, and it was awesome. He stops mid-sentence uh, mid and says, Speak of the devil, in that moment, you, Mama Jean, and the rest of your family and Adam come pulling in the driveway directly past us. After the show, went back to listen to Anchor Bear. After the show, uh, decided to call it a night and was going to the tent. Saw the bonfire and decided to stay up. Totally dark except for the large fire. I'm watching this girl trying to roast marshmallows by the fire. I'll admit I was setting a little, I was, I was a little concerned for her because she was very close, but fortunately nothing happened. So I'm just standing there and I hear this voice and I turn back beside me and there you are just hanging out in a chair, enjoying the fire right next to me. I kept thinking, what are the odds? I know this sounds stupid, but I only really expected to see you on stage not randomly hanging out with other bears. Dude, I hung out the whole time. <laughs> you can't get rid of me, man. Are you kidding me? It's like my favorite time of the year. It's fucking Bertaria. Anyway, great festival and hopefully many more in the future. One page rule. Sincerely, Northern Illinois Boomer Bear. What a great letter. And one of the coolest things about, um, about my current form of celebrity, which is uh, you know, like with you guys is we view each other as equals and I feel really safe. Like, I feel like, uh, like you guys, uh, are very protective and that's like heaven. It's like amazing. And so many of these people that sold out will never be able to experience what I experience. that I want to hang out with my crowd as equals and they give me respect and they, 
show me a lot of respect and a lot of love and they, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, I feel completely safe and completely uh, understood. And uh, yeah, I'm not around that. That's, that's the beauty of not seeing the world like a uh, secret society. It's like, it's like if, if you're a truther and everyone's a sheeple, or if you're a celebrity and everyone's a fan, or if you're a Jew and everyone's a goyim, then you don't get to experience what I got to experience. Where you are in your, you're with your people and you're one of them. It's fucking, it's like nothing I can explain to these celebrities. Cause I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to walk into an area and everyone looks at you and they're like, Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. And then you want to leave as fast as you can. You go on stage, you get off, you leave. I would always hang out. Cause I've always, I've never seen myself as better than people. I, uh, if the safety's okay. If it's not, if people aren't fucking with me or if there isn't like a mob of people that are like ready to freak out, I, I, I've always enjoyed my quote unquote fans because they've always appeared to me to be people that I would like to be friends with. And, and that's, I think one reason why my life has been so great. Cause a lot of the quote unquote celebrities, they hate their fans because they're running a scam. They're like doing a scam. They're like, they have a false persona that they're selling to people for money and, and like attention. And so they don't actually want to be around them. I fucking, I'm like, you guys get me. Like there's a whole section of the, of the, I do the slave owner blues on the piano. And I'm like touched that everyone understands me. Owen's the last punk rocker. <laughs> Why is that what punk rock was? Appreciate you BB the Spellbreaker. I love this community. It's an amazing and beautiful thing. I completely agree. You got a thousand nights at the end table to protect you, Big Bear. Your fans love and respect you. Yeah, and I don't even use the word fans. That's why I say community because it's not like, I, don't get me wrong. I know you guys are a fan of my talents and my show. And that's a fact. Like, I'm a fan of Telecaster Bears guitar player. So, playing. So, like, saying fan isn't demeaning. But I really do see you guys as like community. And you do seem to. With our lack of gammas, because we just beat them the fuck out of here. Like, we don't have gammas. It's like everybody knows their role. Like, you know when to be quiet. You know when to not just run your mouth. You know when to, like, help out. You know when you can hold court. It's, like, so consensual and fun. Uh, I'm, I'm punk rock. You never consider yourself better than the crowd. Oh, is that what punk rocks do? I don't know. I feel like they're, they're being gay about it, though. All right, I'm going to land the plane. Codsworth, final super chat. So again, unauthorized.tv, um, P.O. Box 490, Sandpoint, Idaho, 83864, entropystream.live, slash app, slash Owen Benjamin Comedy, BertariaCampgrounds.com, MerchForBears.com, if you want to survive the Holocaust with all of us. I'm 100% a fan of you. Still weird that I get to interact with you, though. You're a fan of my comedy, and you probably like me. But I could be a fan of your Jewish, Persian Jew. I, I bet you can shuffle money around in ways that would blow my fucking mind. Thanks for the laughs from Jay Rockbear. Anytime. Um, as a cool couple, I've known her since 2021. Lovely woman. Met him at last year's festival. Great people. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, BertariaCampgrounds.com. We have that deadline in mid-November to get the next 40 acres. So... If you want to buy your ticket for next year's festival, do that now or in the future. It's fine. We'll figure it out no matter what. I almost didn't survive the Holocaust until I found merch for bears. Guys, we're all, we're not victims. We're survivors. 
And the Holocaust unfortunately happened in the early 1940s of the 20, 20, 20th century. And we're all here. We survived. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow with John De La Rosa, the newest edition to Unauthorized.tv. Be fruitful, multiply. Don't be fruity and boy, guys.